Turn with me tonight, please, to 1 Kings 11, verse 1. But King Solomon loved many strange women, together with the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonians, and Hittites, of the nations concerning which the Lord said unto the children of Israel, Ye shall not go into them, neither shall they come in unto you. For surely they will turn away your heart after their gods. Solomon clave unto these in love. He had 700 wives, princesses, and 300 concubines, and his wives turned away his heart. For it came to pass when Solomon was old that his wives turned away his heart after other gods. And his heart was not perfect with the Lord his God, as was the heart of David his father. For Solomon went after Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Zidonians, and after Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites. And Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord, and went not fully after the Lord, as did David his father. Then did Solomon build in high place for Chemosh, the abomination of Moab, in the hill that is before Jerusalem, <coughs> and for Molech, the abomination of the children of Ammon. And likewise did he for all his strange wives, which burnt incense and sacrificed unto their gods. And the Lord was angry with Solomon, because his heart was turned from the Lord God of Israel, which had appeared unto him twice, and had commanded him concerning this thing, that he should not go after other gods. But he kept not that which the Lord commanded. Wherefore the Lord said unto Solomon, for as much as this is done of thee, and thou hast not kept my covenant and my statutes, which I have commanded thee, I will surely rend the kingdom from thee, and will give it to thy servant. Notwithstanding in thy days, I will not do it for David thy father's sake, but I will rend it out of the hand of thy son. Howbeit I will not rend away all the kingdom, but will give one tribe to thy son, for David my servant's sake, and for Jerusalem's sake, which I have chosen. This is sad reading. Solomon had such a wonderfully blessed beginning. He didn't ask for power, riches, fame. He asked for wisdom that he might be able to lead this great people wisely. And the Lord granted him all these other things. But here he's older, and his wives, if we read, turned away his heart when he was older. In Deuteronomy 17, the king was not to multiply horses to himself, speaks of power. He was not to multiply wives to himself, speaks of pleasure. He was not to multiply riches. There are four natural goals for the man, for the natural man, power, riches, pleasure, and fame. He had them all. He had them all. And yet he tells us in his book of Ecclesiastes that it was all vanity and emptiness. Pursuit of the wind. He had found that these things don't satisfy. <clears throat> Though man pursues them, he has nothing else. The Christian has Christ. Christ displaces all of these other things for us. Well, Solomon's heart was turned away. And the people so too, their hearts were turned away as well. And the division we're going to look at 
that took place in the history of Israel, which has never been healed, but it will be in a coming day. The uh, ten tribes of the two will be reunited, and there will be one again, one nation under God, in that coming day of glory down here in this world. But it hasn't been healed yet. And uh, having gone through a terrible division, I am persuaded that it's probably the worst sin that anyone could commit to be the leader in that kind of thing, to divide the saints of God. Terrible. Divide families, divide assemblies, divide friendships. Very heartrending. And I know those to whom I'm speaking tonight feel this keenly. We all have been made to feel it. But the source of the division that took place in Israel was traced to the divine center, Jerusalem, and to the king that reigned there, and to the people that were there. Their hearts did not follow the Lord. Solomon allowed these other things to come in and turn away his heart. And it says the Lord was angry with Solomon. The Lord was angry with Solomon. I believe the Lord has been and put it this way, angry with us because of our low state, our carnal ways, our worldly ways, our ways of self-seeking, pursuing pleasure. We're living in a world that is pleasure-mad, pleasure-pursuing. And uh, we're guilty of following along this line when we have something infinitely better. What ought to characterize us is prayer and fasting during the absence of our rejected Lord. Not feasting, not uh, indulging in things here, but holding ourselves for Him and only for Him. We haven't done that. I speak to my own self. We haven't done that. And the Lord has been displeased with our state. And so He has allowed these things to come in. It says in verse 14, I didn't read it yet, the Lord stirred up an adversary unto Solomon. Hadad the Edomite, he was of the king's seed in Edom. The enemy is allowed to attack, to be stirred up by the enemy and the Lord allowed him. And again in verse 23, God stirred him up another adversary. Reason, the son of Eliada, which fled from his lord, had an easier king of Zobah. And he gathered men unto him and became captain over a band, which David slew, when David slew them in Zobah. And they went to Damascus and dwelt therein and reigned. He was an adversary to Israel all the days of Solomon, because of, beside the mischief that Hadad did. And he abhorred Israel and reigned over Syria. When uh, troubles come, as they do in our lives, sometimes they come because, not always, but sometimes they come because the Lord is displeased with our state. He's trying to get our attention, trying to teach us lessons that we cannot seem to learn any other way than when he deals severely with us. Now we read of another character that's going to be very prominent. He's going to head up the ten tribes that would be taken from Solomon, Solomon's son, Rehoboam, 
and uh, given to him, given to Jeroboam. And two tribes would remain at Jerusalem, the divine center. This was because of the sin of Solomon. Verse 26, And Jeroboam, the son of Bedat, and Ephrathite of Zerida, Solomon's servant, whose mother's name was Zeruah, a widow woman, <clears throat> even he lifted up his hand against the king. And this was the cause that he lifted up his hand against the king. Solomon built Billow and repaired the breaches of the city of David his father. And the man Jeroboam was a mighty man of valor. And Solomon, seeing the young man, that he was industrious, he made him ruler over all the charge of the house of Joseph. And it came to pass at that time when Jeroboam went out of Jerusalem by the prophet Ahijah the Shadonite found him in the way. And he had clad himself with a new garment, and they too were alone in the field. And Ahijah caught the new garment that was on him and rent it in twelve pieces. And he said to Jeroboam, Take thee ten pieces. For thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel, Behold, I will rend the kingdom out of the hand of Solomon, and will give ten tribes to thee. The same message is now told to Jeroboam that was told to Solomon by the Lord. But he shall have one tribe for my servant David's sake, and for Jerusalem's sake, the city which I have chosen out of all the tribes of Israel. Because that they have forsaken me. He tells Jeroboam why he's doing this. He says, because they have forsaken me and have worshipped Ashtoreth. Notice they, the plural now, not just Solomon, but they, those at Jerusalem, the people. They have worshipped Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Zidonians, Chemish, the god of the Moabites, and Milcom, the god of the children of Adam, and have not walked in my ways to do that which is right in mine eyes, and to keep my statutes and my judgments, as did David his father. That's the reason. He tells Jeroboam very clearly what the reason was. He was displeased with those there at Jerusalem for what they had done, and how they had been carried away departing from the Lord. He's told this. He knows why these ten tribes are being given to him, because God was displeased with those at Jerusalem. Howbeit, verse 34, I will not take the whole kingdom out of his hand, but I will make him prince all the days of his life for David my servant's sake, whom I chose because he kept my commandments and my statutes. But I will take the kingdom out of his son's hand and will give it unto thee, even ten tribes. And unto his son will I give one tribe, that David my servant may have a light always before me in Jerusalem, the city which I have chosen me to put my name there. Notice that doesn't change. Though there was failure at Jerusalem, very serious, grievous failure, the Lord was displeased and angry with Solomon because of it. He still speaks of Jerusalem, that I may have a light always before me in Jerusalem, the city which I have chosen, this is God's choice, not man's, to put my name there. And so he was going to maintain a testimony there at the divine center. But rend the ten kingdoms from Solomon's son Rehoboam because of the sin of Solomon and the people that were there at the divine center. So this division that we're going to look at 
is traced back to failure on the part of those who occupied the most privileged place on the face of the earth. And that's the place that we occupy, the most privileged and the most responsible. Verse 37, And I will take thee, and thou shalt reign according to all that thy soul desireth, and shall be king over Israel from the, from the time that the ten tribes were rent and given to Jeroboam. Those ten tribes are called Israel, or Ephraim, who was the, which was the head tribe of the ten, and the others Judah, Judah and Benjamin. But the, the, the term Israel applies after the division to the ten tribes. Thou shalt be king over Israel, over the ten tribes. And it shall be, if thou wilt hearken unto all that I command thee. Notice the condition here. If Jeroboam had walked in obedience to the Lord, and hearkened to his word, and not done what Solomon had done, the Lord promises blessing to him. If thou wilt hearken unto all that I command thee, and wilt walk in my ways, and do that is right in my sight, to keep my statutes and my commandments, as David my servant did, that I will be with thee, and build thee a sure house, as I built for David, and will give Israel unto thee. Notice the promises that he gives to Jeroboam. Unfortunately for him, he didn't have faith to appropriate these promises for himself. He, he was not a man of faith. In fact, we have the formula repeated over and over and over again in the history of the kings. Jeroboam the son of Nebat, which made Israel to sin. Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, which made Israel to sin. We're going to read about that serious sin that he committed. But he was offered the ten tribes and the promise of blessing. I will make thee a sure house. I will build thee a sure house as I built for David. will give Israel unto thee. I will be with thee, he says to Jeroboam. And then he says in verse 39, I will for this afflict the seed of David, but not forever. <clears throat> every division in the church is an affliction upon everyone, especially those that are in the right place. The right place, not the right state. And so, he afflicts us in his faithfulness, in his faithfulness. I will for this afflict the seed of David, but not forever. It won't go on forever. There'll be an end to it. His governmental dealings come to an end. Did Solomon profit by the warning that was given to him by the prophet that we looked at uh, earlier in the chapter? Unfortunately, he did not. He seeks to kill Jeroboam. Solomon sought, therefore, to kill Jeroboam. He was told that ten tribes were going to be taken from his son and given to Jeroboam. And now he seeks to stop that. And yet he had the word of the Lord as to it. Solomon sought therefore to kill Jeroboam. And Jeroboam arose and fled into Egypt unto Shishak king of Egypt and was in Egypt until the death of Solomon. The solemn thing when we hear from God why he is dealing with us in his governmental ways in punishment and chastening and discipline that we seek to uh, reject it and to oppose it and to thwart it. We cannot do that. I think that's the whole 
problem behind these reunion movements in Christendom is the reason saints are divided is because God has been displeased with their state and then they try to undo that and come together again as though their state doesn't really matter. Those that have been reunited are not in a more spiritual state than those that the Lord divided. We have not learned well the history, the lesson of history. As it has been said, one thing we learn from history is that we don't learn from history. Solomon therefore sought to kill Jeroboam, but Jeroboam arose and fled. Verse 41, and the rest of the acts of Solomon and all that he did in his wisdom, are they not written in the book of the acts of Solomon? And the time that Solomon reigned in Jerusalem over all Israel was forty years, so Solomon slept with his fathers and was buried in the city of David his father, and Rehoboam his son reigned in his stead. Isn't that sad that the very last thing that's recorded in Solomon's history here is that he sought to thwart the government the governmental hand of God. Chapter 12. And Rehoboam went to Shechem, for all Israel were come to Shechem to make him king. And it came to pass, Rehoboam's the son of Solomon now. He's the one that's going to retain the two tribes and lose ten to, to Jeroboam. It came to pass when Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who was yet in Egypt, heard it heard that Solomon was dead, for he was fled from the presence of King Solomon, and Jeroboam dwelt in Egypt, that they sent and called him. And Jeroboam and all the congregation of Israel came and spake unto Rehoboam, saying, Thy father made our yoke grievous. Now therefore make thou the grievous service of thy father and his heavy yoke, which he put upon us later, and we will serve thee. And he said unto them, Depart yet for three days, then come again to me, and the people departed. <coughs> And King Rehoboam consulted with the old men that stood before Solomon his father while he yet lived, and said, How do ye advise that I answer this people? And they spake unto him, saying, If thou wilt be a servant unto this people this day, and wilt serve them, and answer them, and speak good words to them, then they will be thy servants forever. But he forsook the counsel of the old men, which they had given him, and consulted with the young men that were grown up with him. The old men were of a different generation, not his contemporaries. Now he consults with his contemporaries, those that were grown up with him. The greatest danger that you have, young people, is to uh, despise the gray hairs of the older ones and uh, to just uh, consult with those of your own age group. Great danger. That's what Rehoboam did. Uh, the old man had given him good counsel, but he forsook him. And he said unto them, verse 9, What counsel give ye that we may answer this people? Now he's talking to the young men, who have spoken to me, saying, Make the yoke which thy father did put upon us lighter, and the young men that were grown up with him spake unto him, saying, Thus shalt thou speak unto this people that spake unto thee, saying. Notice how it says that were grown up with him, repeats that. That's important. And they say, Thus shalt thou speak unto this people, saying, Thy father made our yoke heavy, but make thou it lighter unto us. Thus shalt thou say unto them, 
My little fingers shall be thicker than my father's loins. And now, whereas my father did lead you with a heavy yoke, I will add to your yoke. My father hath chastised you with whips, and I will chastise you with scorpions. So Jeroboam and all the people came to Rehoboam the third day, as the king had appointed, saying, Come to me again the third day. And the king answered the people roughly, and forsook the old men's counsel that they gave him, and spake to them after the counsel of the young men, saying, My father made your yoke heavy, and I will add to your yoke. My father also chastised you with whips, but I will chastise you with scorpions. Wherefore the king hearkened not unto the people, for the cause was from the Lord. It says in one passage in Chronicles, the cause was of the Lord. That's a, that shouldn't be. It should be from the Lord. If you look at it in Mr. Darby's translation, it's always from the Lord. <coughs> Division is not of God. It's of Satan. But it might be from God. And it was so here because of his government with them. The cause is from the Lord. That's the correct translation. Verse 15. Wherefore the king hearkened not unto the people, for the cause was from the Lord, that he might perform his saying which the Lord spake by Ahijah the Shilonite unto Jeroboam the son of Nebat. So, when all Israel saw that the king hearkened not unto them, the people answered the king, saying, What portion have we in David? What a terrible thing to say. What portion have we in David? David had done nothing to cause this. His son had, Solomon. But you can trace back, there was friction. You can trace back when problems come in. The immediate cause of the problem isn't the real cause. The, the one that you would see in, in, in near proximity to the, to the problem caused is, it goes back, it goes back. If you read the book of Judges, you'll find out that there was friction between Judah and Ephraim, the traps. There was friction, there were problems. I'm not going to trace that out. Uh, you could trace it out yourself. But usually you'll find that when something like we've just gone through happens, it goes way back. There were problems back there. Watching lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you. Root of bitterness. It, might, it may lay dormant for years. You're not even aware of it. It never has been judged. Someone has done something to you or spoken unkindly to you, whatever it might be. I know there was a time in my life when every night I said, Lord, keep me from bitterness. Keep me from bitterness. Sometimes your brethren can say the unkindest things, the most cutting. And they don't need it. Thankfully, most of them don't need it. Sometimes they may. Whatever it might be, watch. Don't allow bitterness to lie there. Something will come up in a future time when that bitterness will arise. A root of bitterness will spring up. And then many will be defiled by it. We must judge these things. 
root and branch. If we don't, we are vulnerable to what happened here, what has happened amongst us. Well, it says, verse 16, So when all Israel saw that the king hearkened not unto them, the people answered, What hath portion have me in David? Neither have we inheritance in the son of Jesse, to your tents, O Israel. Now see to thy own house, David. So Israel departed unto their tents. They were altogether wrong in doing this, even though they had been spoken to so harshly. You might say, well, Rehoboam was wrong when we talked to them, yes. Not just Rehoboam, Solomon, his father. There's the, that's the source of the problem. But as for the children of Israel, which dwelt in the cities of Judah, Rehoboam reigned over them. Then King Rehoboam sent Adora, who was over the tribute, and all Israel stoned him with stones that he died. Therefore King Rehoboam made speed to get him up to his chariot to flee to Jerusalem. So Israel rebelled against the house of David unto this day. As I said before, this division hasn't been healed yet. And it came to pass, when all Israel heard that Jeroboam was come again, that they sent and called him unto the congregation and made him king over all Israel. Now the prophecy of Ahijah Shilonite has come to pass. There was none that followed the house of David, but the house tribe of Judah only. And when Rehoboam was come to Jerusalem, he assembled all the house of Judah with the tribe of Benjamin, and hundred and fourscore thousand chosen men, which were warriors to fight against the house of Israel, to bring the kingdom again to Rehoboam, the son of Solomon. Now that was contrary to the word that the Lord had given to Solomon. He told, told Solomon, I'm going to take ten tribes from they give it to Jeroboam. And now Rehoboam tries to get them back by force. But listen, but the word of God came unto Shemaiah, the man of God, saying, Speak unto Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, king of Judah, and unto all the house of Judah and Benjamin, and to the remnant of the people, saying, Thus saith the Lord, Ye shall not go up nor fight against your brethren, the children of Israel. Return every man to his house, for this thing is from me. They hearkened therefore to the word of the Lord, and returned to depart according to the word of the Lord. That's a real plus for Rehoboam. He hearkened to the word of the Lord. He stopped what he was doing. He didn't try anymore to bring back the ten tribes. He bowed under the governmental hand of God. He bowed to it. Submitted to it. Realized that this thing has happened because we have sinned. Have you done that? Have I done that? In connection with what has just happened amongst us, and we got before the Lord and said, Lord, it's my fault. It's my fault. Well, Rehoboam listened to the prophet. And uh, that's a very nice thing to read. Verse 25, Then Jeroboam built Shechem in Mount Ephraim and dwelt therein, and went out from thence and built Penuel. And Jeroboam said in his heart, now he starts to reason. He's not a man of faith. The Lord said, I will be with thee. I will build thee a sure house. I will give Israel unto thee. If he had believed God, he wouldn't have gone to this reasoning process and to all the things that he did now and later. He is typical of what man has done in Christendom in implementing his thoughts and his ways and his procedures and his order in God's house very serious thing to do. 
when God has given strict instructions, explicit instructions, ordering his house, even as he did in building the tabernacle. Everything had to be followed to the letter. And so it is in God's house. But man, just like Jeroboam, he says in his heart now, shall the kingdom return to the house of David? If this people go up to sacrifice in the house of the Lord at Jerusalem, then shall the heart of this people turn again unto their Lord, even unto Rehoboam, king of Judah, and they shall kill me. The very thing that man's reasoning results in is that if I do it my way, I'll escape this, but if I do it God's way, they'll kill me. Just the opposite is true. Just the opposite is true. And go again to Rehoboam, king of Judah. Whereupon the king took counsel and made two calves of gold and said unto them, that goes way back to the to what Aaron did. He made a calf of gold and the people danced around it. A golden calf, except Jeroboam in, in imitating, he makes two calves. He puts one in Dan, the northern part of the land, the other in Bethel, the house of God, the southern part of the land, so that all the ten tribes would have a place that they could go to worship and not go to Jerusalem. He made two calves of gold and said unto them, It is too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. Behold thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee up and danced around him. A golden calf, except Jeroboam, in, in imitating, he makes two calves. He puts one in Dan, the northern part of the land, the other in Bethel, the house of God, the southern part of the land, so that all the ten tribes would have a place that they could go to worship and not go to Jerusalem. He made two calves of gold and said unto them, It is too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. Behold thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. He commits the sin doubly of what Aaron did that brought such judgment upon the people of Israel when the law was given initially. And he set the one in Bethel, the house of God, and the other put he in Dan. God will judge. He surely will. God will judge. And this thing became a sin, for the people went to worship before the one, even unto Dan. That's the center way up in the northern part of the land. And he made an house of high places, and made priests of the lowest of the people, which were not of the sons of Levi. Levi, he changes the order that God had laid down, the strict order that he laid down to be observed in his house. And Jeroboam ordained a feast in the eighth month on the fifteenth day of the month. The feast of tabernacles was on the seventh month. And he changes the month. Like unto the feast that is in Judah, and he offered upon the altar. He offered upon the altar. Only the priest was to do that. He was not a priest. So did he in Bethel, sacrificing unto the calves that he had made. And he placed in Bethel the priests of the high places which he had made. So he offered upon the altar which he had made in Bethel the fifteenth day of the eighth month, even in the month which he had devised in his own heart, and ordained a feast unto the children of Israel, and he offered upon the altar and burnt incense. Now that's the stage that's been set now for this next chapter, 13. And behold, there came a man of God out of Judah, 
by the word of the Lord. Notice that expression. He comes by the word of the Lord. He's guided by the word of the Lord. His directions are by the word of the Lord. Our directions are by the word of the Lord. We have the word of the Lord here in this blessed book. We're not to, not to allow, once we have the word of the Lord for what we do, we're not to allow any after voices to turn us aside. We'll see what happened to this man of God out of Judah. There came a man of God out of Judah. The reason he had to come from the divine center is because there wasn't anyone, well, well there was someone there at the false two centers, Dan and Bethel, but he was disqualified to be a faithful prophet because he was living in complicity with the evil. He was in association with it, not separate from it. The man of God out of Judah was separate from it. He was there at the divine center. With all the failure that had happened there, it was still God's center. So he comes out of Judah by the word of the Lord unto Bethel, the house of God. And Jeroboam stood by the altar to burn incense. He had no business doing that. He was sitting and doing that. And he cried, the man of God cried against the altar in the word of the Lord and said, O altar, altar, thus saith the Lord, behold, a child shall be born unto the house of David, Josiah by name, and upon thee shall he offer the priests of the high places that burn incense upon thee, and men's bones shall be burnt upon thee. We'll read later where that was literally fulfilled. The king Josiah named by name here many years before he ever was born. And he gave a sign the same day, saying, This is the sign which the Lord hath spoken. Behold, the altar shall be rent, and the ashes that are upon it shall be poured out. And it came to pass, when King Jeroboam heard the saying of the man of God, which had cried against the altar in Bethel, that he put forth his hand from the altar, saying, Lay hold on him. And his hand which he put forth against him dried up so that he could not pull it in again. <coughs> Immediate judgment executed against this wicked king, Jeroboam. The altar also was rent, and the ashes poured out from the altar according to the sign which the man of God had given by the word of the Lord. Again, notice the expression, by the word of the Lord. And the king answered and said unto the man of God, Entreat now the face of God for me, face of the Lord thy God, and pray for me, that my hand may be restored me again. And the man of God besought the Lord, and the king's hand was restored him again, and became as it was before. Mercy is extended and shown to this wicked king, Jeroboam, who had set up these idolatrous altars, at Dan and at Bethel, disobeyed the word of God, disobeyed the word of the Lord. And he had, he had learned that the very judgment had come upon the twelve tribes, upon Solomon, because they had not walked in obedience. And now he does the same thing. He's given ten tribes on the condition and, uh, that he would be blessed on the condition of obedience. And he fails right away. No fear of God before his eyes whatsoever. And the king answered and said unto the man of God, Entreat now the face of the Lord thy God, and pray for me that my hand may be restored me again. And the man of God besought the Lord, and the king's hand was restored him again, and became as it was before. And the king said unto the man of God, Come home with me, and refresh thyself, and I will give thee a reward. The 
man of God faithfully responds to this. He said unto the king, If thou wilt give me half thine house, I will not go in with thee, neither will I eat bread nor drink water in this place. For so was it charged me by the word of the Lord, saying, Eat no bread nor drink water, nor turn again by the same way that thou camest. So he went another way, and returned not by the way that he came to Bethel. The reason he didn't go back the same way was that those that saw him go down didn't see him return. It, they, they didn't say, well, he spent some time there, and he had fellowship there, he ate and drank there. No, he was to go down, deliver his message, pronounce judgment against the altar that Jeroboam had set up, and then return another way. So that it wouldn't look to any that he had had any fellowship in that place. He was to deliver faithfully the message against that place, and then go back another way. And he discharged it faithfully. And these overtures from Jeroboam, who was the king, who was the world leader of the ten tribes now, he rejects. He has the word of the Lord to tell him, and he refuses. He said, you could give me half your kingdom. I wouldn't eat or drink or have anything to do with that place. So he went another way and returned not by the way that he came to Bethel. But now he's going to be subjected to a more subtle trial. Now there dwelt an old prophet in Bethel. Why didn't God use him to pronounce judgment against the altar? Because he was in fellowship with it. He couldn't speak against it. That's where he lived. That's where he had fellowship. And his sons came and told him all the works that the man of God had done that day in Bethel. The words which he had spoken unto the king, them they told also to their father. And their father said unto them, What way went he? For his sons had seen what way the man of God went, which came from Judah. And he said unto his sons, Saddle me the ass. So they saddled him the ass, and he rode thereon, and went after the man of God, and found him sitting under an oak, beautiful type of the cross, wonderful place to be sitting, meditating. And he said unto him, Art thou the man of God that came from Judah? And he said, I am. And he said unto him, Come home with me, and eat bread. And he said, I may not return with thee, nor go in with thee, neither will I eat bread nor drink water with thee in this place. For it was said to me by the word of the Lord, Thou shalt eat no bread, nor drink water there, nor turn again to go by the way that thou camest. He said unto him, I am a prophet also as thou art. I'm a brother. I'm a sister. We're going to spend eternity together in heaven. Let's have fellowship in this place. I'm another prophet just like you. This is a different kind of a trial. It's not the world offering us something that we can reject but a fellow believer. And he was a believer. Both of these men were, we'll see, uh, when we look at the uh, chapter of Josiah, they were both lords. But uh, the old prophet of Bethel was in the wrong place. He said unto him, I am a prophet also as thou art. And an angel spake unto me by the word of the Lord. The Apostle Paul says to the Galatians, Though an angel from heaven 
preach any other gospel than that which I have preached unto you, let it be accursed. An angel from heaven. One of the fastest growing religions in this country started with an angel called Moroni appearing to a prophet. A false prophet. Though an angel from heaven preach any other gospel, let him be accursed. So he says, An angel spake unto me by the word of the Lord. He even uses deceitfully that formula, the word of the Lord, saying, Bring him back with thee into thine house, that he may eat bread and drink water. But he lied unto him. The enemy is a liar. He's a deceiver. And if the man of God would hearken to this, and he did, sad to say, so he went back with him and did eat bread in his house and drank water. He had been so faithful in refusing the overtures of the world and the person of Jeroboam, but now the religious element comes in and he is seduced to compromise the testimony. And what did he do in doing that? He rendered null and void his testimony against the evil that he had pronounced upon that place. Because he went back and had fellowship there. He went back with him and ate bread in his house and drank water. And now God uses the old prophet of Bethel that had lied to him and said an angel had spoken unto him by the word of the Lord to bring him back. He uses him now to pronounce judgment on the man of God out of Judah. Verse 20, it came to pass as they sat at the table that the word of the Lord came unto the prophet that brought him back. And he cried unto the man of God that came from Judah, saying, Thus saith the Lord, forasmuch as thou hast disobeyed the mouth of the Lord, and hast not kept the commandment which the Lord thy God commanded thee, but camest back and hast eaten bread and drunk water in the place of the which the Lord did say to thee, Eat no bread and drink no water, thy carcass shall not come unto the sepulchre of thy fathers. And it came to pass, after he had eaten bread, and after he had drunk, that he saddled for him the ass, to wit, for the prophet whom he had brought back. And when he was gone, a lion met him by the way, and slew him. And his carcass was cast in the way, and the ass stood by it, and the lion also stood by the carcass. He lost his life, he lost his testimony, because he compromised and didn't follow the word of the Lord. Never allow an after voice to cause us to deviate from the word of the Lord once we've got it. And that's what he did. And behold, men passed by and saw the carcass cast in the way, and the lion standing by the carcass, and they came and told it in the city where the old prophet dwelt. And when the prophet that brought him back from the way heard thereof, he said, It is the man of God who was disobedient unto the word of the Lord. Therefore the Lord hath delivered him unto the lion, which hath torn him and slain him, according to the word of the Lord which he spake unto him. And he spake to his son, saying, Saddle me the ass. And they saddled him. And he went and found his carcass cast in the way, and the ass and the lion standing by the carcass. The lion had not eaten the carcass, nor torn the ass. Completely contrary to nature. That lion did only one thing, to kill the man of God out of Judah. Didn't, didn't eat his carcass, didn't tear the ass. The ass is still standing there unharmed. And the prophet took up the carcass of the man of God and laid it upon the ass. 
and brought it back. Lion doesn't touch the uh, old prophet of Bethel either. And the old prophet came to the city to mourn and to bury him. And he laid his carcass in his own grave, and they mourned over him, saying, Alas, my brother. The old prophet of Bethel was a true child of God, as was the man of God. The man of God allowed this one who was in a false position, religious position, to cause him to compromise and to nullify his testimony against the, the altar that Jeroboam had set up. It came to pass, after he had buried him, that he spake to his sons, saying, When I am dead, then bury me in the sepulcher wherein the man of God is buried. Lay my bones beside his bones. He recognized him as a true brother, and he was true also. But judgment, he had to pronounce it. And in pronouncing judgment on the man of God who had pronounced judgment upon what he was in association with, he was condemning himself too, wasn't he? For the same which is, he cried by the word of the Lord against the altar in Bethel and against all the houses of the high places which are in the cities of Samaria shall surely come to pass. Now, does Jeroboam profit from all this? <clears throat> no, not a bit. After this thing, Jeroboam returned not from his evil way, but made again of the lowest of the people priests of the high places, Whosoever would, he consecrated him, and he became one of the priests of the high places. And this thing became sin unto the house of Jeroboam, even to cut it off and to destroy it from off the face of the earth. So Jeroboam didn't profit by any of this. He stretches out his hand to lay hold upon the man of God out of Judah. His hand shrivels up and can't draw it in again. Grace is extended to him, it's, he's healed, and still he has profited by all that's come about. Now we'll turn to 2 Kings 23 to complete the story. 2 Kings 23, we have Josiah in his zeal for the Lord, dealing with the, the evil that existed there. Verse 15, Moreover, the altar that was at Bethel, and the high place which Jeroboam the son of Nebat, who made Israel to sin and made. Both that altar and the high place he brake down and burned the high place and stamped it small to powder and burned the grove. And as Josiah turned himself, he spied the sepulcher, sepulchers that were there in the mount and sent and took the bones out of the sepulchers and burned them upon the altar and polluted it according to the word of the Lord which the man of God proclaimed, who proclaimed these words. Then he said, What is that that I see? And the man of the city, men of the city told him, It is the sepulchre of the man of God which came from Judah, and proclaimed these things that thou hast done against the altar of Bethel. And he said, Let him alone, let no man move, move his bones. So they let his bones alone with the bones of the prophet that came out of Samaria. So these two, the men of God out of Judah and the old prophet of Bethel, they didn't partake of the judgment that came upon these ungodly prophets. We'll never partake. Even though if we fail in testimony and compromise the truth as God has given it to us to remain separate from that which is 
set up in, according to man's will, independent of the Lord's will, we will lose something. Man of God lost his life, but he didn't lose his soul. And we'll never lose our souls because they are secure if we're his. But our life of testimony can be lost if we fail to walk in obedience to the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord would have kept him as it did when Jeroboam pronounced, uh, offered him all that reward and he come back and he'd eaten and drunk with him and he refused it. But it was the, it was the subtlety, the, the argument that came from a fellow prophet that he listened to. He lied to him. An angel spake to me, he said, that wasn't true. He even used the word of the Lord in, in seducing the man of God, Judah. And in doing so, he pronounces judgment against himself, the position that he was in. And then he's the very one used of God. Once the man of God compromises, goes back and eats and drinks with him, he's the one used of God to pronounce the judgment upon the man of God. No wonder he says, alas, my brother. And then he says, everything that he has said that will happen to this altar will come to pass. He recognized it as the word of God. He recognized that he was in association with evil and that he should have separated from it himself. Well, these are solemn lessons. They have their application for us in this present day. The things that were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through comfort of the scriptures might have hope. So these Old Testament passages contain principles of truth that are important to guide us in our pathway here. Just remember, everyone, young people especially, you're never wiser. Scripture. Never.